deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Then they sent to him some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he said. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius. And let me see it. And they brought one. Then he said to them, Whose head is this? And whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Jesus said to them, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly utterly amazed at him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before you now. We offer our ears that we might hear, our hearts, our minds that we might understand. In your name, amen. So this morning's sermon will be a little bit different than our normal sermons because it's going to kind of be a hybrid. So Jeff knew that he had this surgery scheduled, and so I prepared something just in case. And um, so Jeff also prepared a sermon, and so I went and looked at his notes the other day and kind of meshed some things together. So... um, this is the result. And uh, uh, so a couple of weeks ago, my daughters were all at their dance class. And so my son Gibson and I um, were at home and we were, had some time to kill before we needed to make dinner. And uh, so I asked Gibson what he would like to do. And he decided that he wanted to play checkers. And so we have one of those checkerboards that you get a cracker barrel that looks like a rug, and it has the big red and black checker pieces. Um, and so we, we lay it out, and we start to play checkers, and we're playing the game, and he beats me. He beat me pretty bad, actually. Um, I underestimated his ability. Well, then he starts stacking the checkers up, 
and he puts a black checker and a red checker and then a black checker and he continues to stack them up and make these. And then he tells me that these are now cookies and that um, he would gladly sell me a cookie for one of my checker pieces. And so we start playing this game where I'm buying these cookies from Gibson. And um, so I'm exchanging one checker piece for one cookie. And then I start making up different characters who are coming into the shop and they're coming and they're buying these cookies. So the girls get home and we're eating dinner and they ask, what did you guys do? And uh, so Gibson starts telling them the story about how he sold me all these cookies. And the next night, Gibson and Vera and Lucy all had basketball and cheerleading practice and it was me and Neely and we were at home. And before long, there was this invitation to play checkers. <laughs> and so we played checkers. She beat me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so she starts making these cookies, right, out of checkers. And I confidently laid down one of my checker pieces for a cookie. And she tells me, that's not enough. It's <laughs> not enough. So she explains to me that the black checkers are dollar bills and the red checkers are coins and that I needed to pay one dollar and five cents. And so um, I start purchasing these cookies and then I'm coming up with characters and going into the store and purchasing these cookies. And every time I purchase a cookie, the price just keeps increasing. <laughs> I explained to her that the, the shop that used to be here, the shop owner, <laughs> wasn't quite so greedy. Um, but it's, it's funny that even in play, money can have so much value to the one that's receiving it and the one who's giving it up. In that moment... It wasn't about the plastic money. That wasn't what was being exchanged. It was our time, our attention, whether they realized it or not, and even if I realized it or not. And I think in our passage today, we'll find that it's not really that much about our coins either. There are two groups of people united to invalidate Christ as a teacher, the Pharisees and the Herodians. These two groups stand at opposite ends of the religious, political, social spectrum. And yet, they are united in their efforts to take down Jesus. Previously, in Mark chapter 3, these folks were conspiring to have Jesus killed. The goal in this particular encounter is to trap Jesus by asking a question they thought they knew the answer to. A simple yes or no. If Jesus answered the wrong way, it could have greatly impacted his teaching. So he turns the question back to them and ultimately asks the question, of ownership 
and kingship. In this case, insisting that Caesar can have his coin. Jesus recognized the reason for the question. He knew that some tax was due to the Roman government for their protection. He gives a nod to it and then moves them toward God. God deserves our attention, worship, repentance, and obedience. Jesus directs their attention to kingdom thinking. There is a reference to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and Exodus 13, 9 being made here. Human beings bear the image of God and of the law written on the hand, eyes, and mouth. The denarius may belong to Caesar, but human beings belong to God. The answer to the question is a redirection to think about something way more important than material things. Sure, give your money to pay the tax, but where is your heart? Jesus asked the Herodians to produce a coin. Herodians are pre-Roman. The coin they would have produced was not a common coin. It was a silver denarius from the imperial mint with one side bearing an inscription of the imperial's wreathed head and the other side a female figure, the embodiment of peace wearing a crown and holding a scepter in one hand and an olive or a palm branch in the other. This particular coin was used to pay the poll tax, which was levied on every adult listed in the census. We have a slide that shows maybe what it might have looked like. The pagan religious imagery used on this coin violated Jewish rules against images and idolatry. The inscriptions declared the emperor to be divine. The images on the coins of Rome were not only of Caesar, this also represented their gods. The person was meant to be worshipped. The presence of the money changers in the temple precincts permitted Jews to exchange such coins for those acceptable for making an offering in the temple. One solution for using such coins in everyday dealings was not to look at them, just to ignore them. Jesus demands that his opponents would produce a coin easily. Take a look at it. This demand must have caught the audience off guard. The early church fathers had various views on the tension that we're reading about. Irenaeus believed that the Roman Empire was a means of God's judgment against evil, but he believed that in the end times, it would come under judgment itself as a tool of the Antichrist. Tertullian saw Christians as being set apart from other citizens by their rejections of idolatry and military service. But their prayers, 
for stability and success for Rome's armies and governors made them ideal citizens. Origen imagined a progressive conversion in which the peace of God would sweep over the world through the empire. Constantine's conversion ushered in new possibilities. The Greek historian Eusebius viewed Constantine as the new Moses and the violence under his rule as simply a means to bring about God's peace. In the city of God, Augustine explored the idea that there could be no truly peaceful or just society. Such a society could only come about if all people turn their hearts toward the one true God. Now I have a slide of American coins. We know that our American tender says, in God we trust. It was a slogan that was adopted in 1956. But the images are of something else altogether. The reign of emperors ended. We live in a democracy where elected officials do not demand worship, and yet commitment to politics and loyalty to party borders on religious belief. The great danger in life, collectively and individually, is giving to Caesar what belongs to God. And this takes many forms. We know that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. All of your heart, soul, and mind. I don't know about you. I'm doing a pretty bad job of that. The slightest thing can get my focus on material rather than kingdom things. Collectively, we're certainly guilty. We rally around ideas in the American church that don't really seem to be about the kingdom. The good news is that we can collectively get on the right track. We can strive to love God without limitation and love our neighbor as ourselves. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on your doorpost of your house 
and on your gates. The message for the Israelites was to keep God's word in front of them. Recite them and let them be in your conversations with your children. Dedicate your work and your thoughts. Let them become obvious in the very way that you conduct yourself. They should be evident in your home. Build your life on God. Give to God what is His, your heart, your soul, your mind. It's not just about external behavior. It's an internal posture. The interpreter's Bible commentary said it like this. Caesar says of man's conscience, This is mine. I will make all the decisions for you. You just obey. God says, It is mine. Caesar says, For all of the activities that create the conditions of life for people, industry, commerce, wages, food, and housing, this is mine. God says, it is mine. Caesar says, of the policies that spell war or peace for nations, life and death for people, this is mine. God says, it is mine. Give Caesar his coin. Everything that matters belongs to God. This morning, we have an opportunity to help our brothers and sisters. Um, an email went out and a graphic on social media asking to bring coins. Our coin offering this morning will go to the uh, Ukrainian Relief Fund. And so, as we sing this next hymn, you're invited to come and bring coins, and it doesn't have to be a coin, I will tell you that. Um, <laughs> coins certainly uh, go with our theme of the day, but if you would like to give in another way, you're more than welcome to do so as well. Um, so the wagon will be here. <laughs>